1: Happy New Year, everyone, in 2023, and welcome to episode 183 of the Laravel News Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us again in the new year. Hard to believe it has been wow. How many years has it been, Michael? I uh I started that sentence and then realized I didn't know the answer yeah. to that question.
0: Tuesday, Three and I a think, half? Four. No,
1: I think this will be year six, I reckon. Wow, has it been that long? It's crazy. Time flies. Can't believe it. Time it's wild. flies. It does, it does indeed. And uh we want to shout out Honey Badger for again joining us for 2023, sponsoring the podcast. So we will talk about them a little bit later. Error tracking for your Laravel projects. We have got a jam-packed episode today because we're a little bit behind. You know, we took a break for the holidays and for the new year. And so now we've got three releases to talk about all all sorts of news, all sorts of packages, and lots of tutorials. So shall we jump right into it? Let's do it. Okay, let's go. I will start with 9.44. Here we go. So 9.44, this was released. Uh this was from December 16th, this blog post. So, first item uh Hafez Devandari contributed native support for renaming and dropping columns. So you have a migration, you decide that you want to rename uh, a column because you named it wrong the first time. Previously, what you'd have to do is you'd have to composer install doctrine slash d uh to support this renaming and dropping columns. However, there is rename and drop column support now natively implemented in uh, all the major versions of the databases that Laravel supports. So MariaDB, MySQL, Postgres, SQLite, and SQL Server. Uh, the only catch is you have to be using the version of the database that supports these, right? So there is a table uh, that is included in the pull request as well as in the show notes. We'll put it up there. Uh, Laravel supports all of these uh, versions that are are uh, listed here as supporting these native uh, renaming and dropping of columns. But if you happen to be using one of these, you don't need to pull in Dr. D-Ball anymore uh, in order to be able to do those things. So very nice. James Hemery also contributed the ability to specify a queue connection on a per notification channel basis. So you have a notification. Each notification has multiple channels that you can use. You can use mail, you could use Slack, you could use uh, SMS, what, what have you. Uh, But with this, you now have a via connections method that will allow you to set up an array that you can specify the channel that you're going to be doing your notification in. And then the queue that it should get pushed to, uh, the queue connection that it should get pushed to. So you could say for all my mail, I want those to go through the Redis queue. And for any of my database stuff, I want those to go through the sync queue because no need to uh, wait on that. You can just go ahead and push it in there. So You can read through the documentation that goes along with that, customizing the notification queue connection, which has also been pushed in. Uh, Gunter de Brouwer contributed a passing of a closure to the HTTP client throw if method. So HTTP, the throw if used to only support a Boolean value. So you could say uh, true or false, but now you can customize the logic to determine if you should throw an exception. So you can pass a closure, which will take the response as an argument. And then you can check like, the status code of it or whatever uh, you might want to check there to see if you'd want to throw an exception. So in the case that maybe, um, you know, maybe you have like a 400 type of error that you're not interested in catching. Maybe you know that uh, maybe you're the one providing the status codes and you say in the case of a empty response or something like that, or a 4, I don't know, 413. I'm not sure. I can't remember what it is exactly. But you could say, eh, we don't throw exceptions for that particular status code. Uh, you can now do that uh, with throw if. Tim McDonald added Vite4 support to Jetstream, Breeze, and the Vite plugin. Uh, If you create a new level application uh, as of right now, you'll start with Vite4. So to learn more, you can check out Vite4 is out by the Vite team. I was reading through this and I was interested in it because Rollup 3 was also released at the same time. And Vite4 is now partnering with Rollup 3. So I have to read a little bit more into that. I don't know exactly how that works, uh, but in any case, any new projects are going to start with V 4 by default. That is 9.44. Let's uh, take a look at the next one.
0: Excellent. 9.45 had the ability to add custom component search paths, a new validation rule, and some router convenience for ULID, route parameters, and more. So first up, Taylor Otwell contributed the registration of root-level anonymous component search paths, which is convenient for projects that have components in various locations. You can configure a search path by adding the following code to the boot method within a service provider. So you can use blade colon colon anonymous component path and give it a path reference, or you could use a prefix namespace, for example, as the second parameter. So you could say blade colon colon anonymous component path, and then the first parameter is the path to the components, and then the second parameter is the namespace for those components. So, for example, if you've got a whole bunch of dashboard components, you'd say that, um, and then you can reference that with x-dashboard colon colon, and then the name of your components. You can read the anonymous component parts documentation for more details. Next up, at Pusparaj contributed a decimal validation rule with a min-max configuration. So if you've ever needed to um, validate decimal values coming in through your request, you can use this. So... For example, you could use decimal colon, two, decimal colon 2, which checks that there is exactly two digits on the fractional part. You could use 2 comma 3. If there's either 2 or 3 on the fractional part, and you can say 0 comma 3, that values must have at most three digits in the fractional part and can include zero digits, for example, integers. So for that last one, you could have 3 or you could have 3.0 or 3.01 or 3.012. So useful if you're wanting to do some validation for decimal values. Next up, Jamshed Javid, apologies for pronunciation, contributed the where ULID route support to the collection of commonly used regular expressions. This uh, Given that you want a route ID parameter to match a ULID, you'd go something like route, colon, colon, get, and then slash user, slash, and then parentheses, ID, comma, then your closure, and then arrow where ULID, and then you could say that ID needs to be a ULID value uh,
1: so that is it for laravel 9.45 so i was not clear on what a ulid was a ulid if you if you pronounce it like it so do you ever get s- sick of like saying it all out ulid i don't Use ULID. i don't you know?
0: but i work from home and so i don't really say much out loud so it's always typed for me <laughs> but i don't i do not Dude, i was like i don't i don't make words out of things that are not words that seems that seems oh, to be on. a U, that seems to be a you thing you and you like GUID, and you ulids ULID. and no no i'm quite I know. quite happy just I know. saying w- the letters
1: so we've talked about these a couple times on the show before mm-hmm. these use ulids as you would prefer to me to name to say them uh and I, I wasn't exactly sure what they were so i looked it up so it seems um also i wasn't actually sure why you know for me it was always like the only reason to use U U U I D was because people didn't want them to be guessable, which for me didn't really make any difference. But there's a lot more behind it than yeah. that, obviously. For those of you who use them, you know that. Um, but these ULIDs, uh, the thing that's interesting about them is that they're lexicographically sortable, which means that you can use these to sort your items instead of using a created at column. Because that was the other thing that was always a pain in the butt, right? Right. Is um, if you use GUIDs, you couldn't just sort. Like with if you use um, auto-incrementing IDs, you can just say sort by ID and you can you know assume that they're going to be in order. Yeah. Uh, with UUIDs you couldn't do that but with these you can, which is really interesting. And it's, as long as down to the millisecond is is, you know, close enough for you because that's that's as precise as they are as down to the millisecond. Yeah. But anyway, uh I I I read a little article on it which was interesting actually. Uh guess who published it? Honey Badger, right. going deep on <laughs> UUIDs and ULIDs by Starhorn. So, this was actually published back in 2019, but it was it was really useful and uh, you know, Honey Badger, why not, right? So yeah. I'll, I'll share that with you. Definitely. And uh, those of you who are interested in doing a little bit more resources. Yep. We'll throw it in the show notes. Okay. 9.46. Uh, Michael Nabil contributed a where has method to the JSON resource. There's a couple things about JSON resource in here. Uh, this gives you the ability to conditionally include attributes in a response when an attribute is found on a model. So you can conditionally now define an attribute. So if you have a user resource, for example, and in your two array method, you have an ID, a name, and an email, you can say email, fat arrow, this when has email. And that will conditionally include that email value in the array. And if it doesn't get included, then it won't include that value in the array, which is nice. Uh, You can also define a closure uh, to give you a default value. So you could say where has or when has email, sorry. And then as a second argument, pass a closure and then determine what you want to share as a default value there. All right, we also have, uh, by Michael Nabil again, uh, contributing an unless method. This will retrieve a value if the condition resolves to false. So again, you say this arrow unless, and this in this case, and these, in these JSON resources, it was referring to the model that was passed into the constructor. So this unless, and then you have, have a condition that gets passed in. So you can say whether you want to share something or not. Uh, so you could say maybe like, Uh, user is administrator the person that's requesting the resource is an administrator and if it is then you could share the ulid for example right and if not then you don't have to so it conditionally adds that that uh, attribute onto the json resource uh, by allowing you to pass a value uh, into an unless the same guy who contributed that decimal validation rule i believe pusparaj uh, he contributed an update to his own decimal validation rule and what this does is it allows you to also support signed numbers it was i was today years old when i learned about when i thought about this i was like why do they call them signed numbers and like what you know well it's because they have a sign in the front of them right a positive or a negative isn't that crazy that I literally just thought about that? I just uh, knew, what it, I, I uh, knew what it meant. Yeah. I just didn't think about why they would call them signed <laughs> and unsigned. That's, that's why. Because if they're unsigned, you assume they're always positive. And if they're signed, then you could pass in a negative value as well. Correct. So anyway, uh, learning all sorts of things today. All right. Martin Buisse contributed the passing of a path environment variable through with the PHP Artisan Serve. Uh, it might be necessary to underline code uh, to use to find executables. Uh, I've had this happen before when using some spicy packages. They require that you have a path to a certain executable, like a, I don't know, uh, puppeteer or something like that, if you're using browser shot. And I think in this case, he was using spicy DNS and needed to be able to pass a path variable through. Uh, so Taylor merged this one, allowing you to pass the path variable through to PHP artisan serve in the case that you need that. All right, that's 9.46. You can find all that in the show notes. Excellent. All right. On to the news i have lost
0: where i was up to hang on i was just looking for taylor's tweet on this so we have some context all right first on the ticket the laravel certification program is no longer official Uh, this was on the 4th of january that taylor announced in a series of tweets that laravel has discontinued its official partnership with the laravel certification program and the beginning of this year it has been we have discontinued our official partnership with the Laravel certification, there is no longer an official certification program for Laravel, although Laravel certification exams managed by third parties still exist and may be created. The certification was managed by an outside company since its inception, but Taylor hadn't been 100% satisfied with the operation of that program lately, which has led to the decision to ensure that all products and services endorsed by the Laravel company are of the highest quality. Laravel, the Laravel certification program was initially launched at Laracon EU in 2017 to show that you know Laravel and have passed a test proving it. Uh, the program will continue on, but it will no longer have the official backing of the Laravel company. Uh, so there's
1: that. Yeah, we uh, we actually just recently, some of our devs wanted to get certified and it was a less than stellar experience. So I was actually... A little, a little bit relieved to to see that that was the case it's sad it's yeah. it's um you know it's been around for a while right it was actually uh birthed out of controversy some people were like no we don't need a certification and other people were like oh finally a certification officially yeah. and so in any case um you know I guess it's bittersweet bittersweet end yeah. to the whole certification Certainly. thing sadly okay Laracon India 2023 so this is the very first official Laravel conference. In India, I know that there's a lot of you out there who may be listening to this, who have been waiting for this day, and I'm so excited for you that you get to enjoy having all of these wonderful speakers and getting to have the Laracon official conference coming to India. So Ahmedabad, India, on February 25th and 26th, 2023, it's going to be featuring national and international speakers presenting talks on Laravel, PHP, Vue.js, web development, and various other topics. So, they are going to have entry to the venue, auditorium, and conference, lunch, tea, coffee, and other refreshments included in the tickets. Some of the speakers you might recognize the names of Taylor, Otwell, Freak, in Marcel, Jess, Nuno, James, Brooks, uh, Christoph, Kaneko, Joe Dixon, uh, Stefan, lots and lots and lots of folks. I would love to go. I really would, but like tickets there, I think are like you know four grand, something crazy like that. It's it's that's, it's a pricey ticket to get there.
0: Well, yeah, if you're throwing in you know flights and accommodation and and whatnot.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a tricky one to get there, but it would be amazing to be able to go sometime. So uh, maybe not this year, maybe next year. And we'll see, we'll see. All right, that's it for uh Lerikhan India. Stoked for this though. This is gonna be awesome. I think that you know what? Honestly, I bet. They will, they might have more attendees than any of the uh, any of the Laracons that we've had so far. Yeah, the uh, the number of developers in India it's It's, it's, that use Laravel. Yeah, it's It's wild. If you watch like the Laravel viewing parties and stuff like that for like Laracon online, Mm -hmm. they always have a massive group of people for sure. So, this is going to be huge, really, really cool.
0: Uh, continuing on the Laracon train, Laracon EU is the leading event for Laravel developers in Europe and is coming for the very first time to Portugal. So for those of you that have attended or have been following along, Laracon EU has been in Amsterdam for the past few versions of the conference, but come to Lisbon, the sunniest capital of Europe, on January 26 to 27 for two fantastic days with some of the most iconic figures in the Laravel community as well as networking opportunities. Attendees will have the chance to learn about the latest developments in Laravel and connect with the most talented speakers from around the world, including... Taylor Otwell, Jeffrey Way, Matus, Guimaraes. sorry Matus, I'm having a bad time with, with names this year, uh, Freik van der Herten, Nuno Maduro, Diana Schaaf, and many more, and as as well as the the old, old-timers and, and old favourites, we've got some fresh faces on the stage for the first time, Susanna Kunzkova, uh Steve McDougal, uh, Stephen Ries-Carter, Francisco Madeira, Roberto Buti, and many more, and the most epic, awesome, and good-looking host in the community, the one and only Canico. You can check the full lineup online. We'll have links to that in, in, in the show notes. The conference will take place at the beautiful LX factory, a historical place modernized with state-of-the-art facilities and a convenient location in the heart of Lisbon City. In addition to the conference... In addition to the conference sessions, there will also be social events and activities for attendees to enjoy. So if you're a Laravel developer or you're just interested in learning more about the popular framework, don't miss out on an opportunity to learn, connect, and have fun with other artisans in the industry. You can check out the uh, Laracon website at laracon.eu and follow the official Twitter account to be the first to know all of the news.
1: All right, let's keep on this train. Laracon US 2023 is coming back to Nashville, Tennessee. On July 19th and 20th for two days of fantastic talks and community networking with the most talented Laravel developers in the world. Learn, connect, and come away refreshed, energized, and ready to build amazing things with Laravel. The new website has already been launched. Tickets are going on sale tomorrow, tomorrow. So if you have not yet gotten on that wait list, you're going to want to do that. There is not that many tickets this year. Uh, there's like 400, I think. So it's going to be quick. They are also still accepting talk proposals. I say that at the time of this, this recording. Mm-hmm. This was posted on January 2nd. I looked on the website. The form is still up. So if you have not gotten your talk proposal in there, go ahead and get it in there. Uh, we can't wait to see all of you in person again this year. Really, really excited to be able to see all of you. It has been a long time. Uh, for me, I just love the in-person stuff. It's it's amazing. And I'm really excited to see all of you. Michael, I'm sad that you won't be able to make it this year. but Maybe in a couple months, we'll have another announcement about Alaricon somewhere else. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. We'll maybe. Maybe. All right, my friend. Onward and upward. What we got next?
0: Next up, Dries Fintz and Riaz van der Weken launched Eventi, which is a new event platform aimed at connecting the dots between speakers, user groups, conferences, and attendees. Drees and Riaz are event organizers themselves. And so they know firsthand how difficult it can be to connect all the different parts of organizing any event like conferences or local user groups. And from this point of view, they started thinking about creating a platform to solve many of these common frustrations and building something that would help everyone involved. So they've launched eventy.io. I think it is Io. Yep. Well, I, I don't know.
1: It is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yep, and, they're, it. and
0: they're starting this with a speakers module aimed at making speakers lives easier. So with the speaker module, they have a central place. The speakers will have a central place so they can keep track of their talks and workshops. They can create public speaker profiles, share their slides and get visibility in a public search. And as as a bonus, event organizers can use the public search to find speakers for their next event. The public speaker profile provides you with all the info and event needs to know about you, where you are from, your bio, how to contact you, if you're available to speak at a given time and any current offerings of talks and workshops that you have available. And as a speaker, you can hide specific talks or workshops you don't want to share or even disable your entire speaker profile. So this is a free for all. Anyone can use it, sign up uh, and use that. Eventy wants to empower speakers with tools you can use to help you with your speaking career, whether you're a seasoned speaker or just getting started. Um, in the future, Eventy aims to become a platform that connects all parts of the event experience, making it a powerful platform where you can share information, build communities, communicate with each other and much more. Um, I'm I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on this as a event organizer myself, um, and someone who has struggled through the various woes and uh, underwhelming nature of some other platforms out there for for handling this stuff. So check that out if you are if you're either a speaker or you want to have a, a central place to you know publish any talks or anything like that. Your availability and so on and so forth. I know that I'll be checking. Seems like a great idea. I'll definitely be checking this out. Hopefully we can find some great speakers, new and old alike.
1: I set up my profile just before the show. So it uh, looks really good. I saw Eric Barnes uh, set up his, and I was like, oh, that looks nice. I'm going to yeah. check out check this out and try and set my own up. So I already have some feedback, some beta feedback for Dries. <laughs> and uh, and uh, who was the other? Yeah, Rias. Uh, Van Der Herten. Nope, I'm just kidding. Van Der So Eventi. Not, I thought at first it was eventally but eventy. <laughs> eventy 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 yeah all right Laravel news top 10 posts of 2022 the year has come to an end but it's always fun to look back and see what posts turned out to be the most popular ones throughout the year so let's dive into the top 10 number one should we start with number start one should 10. we start with number 10
0: start at 10 I'm number I'm 10
1: oh look at what's coming to Laravel 10 Uh, this is the next major version of Laravel planned for release on February 7th. Paul Redmond outlines all the new features and changes that we know about for Laravel 10. Number nine, learn how to start testing in Laravel with simple examples using PHP unit and Pest. This is a Pavilas post. He shows how easy it is to start with automated testing in Laravel. Number eight, upcoming Livewire 3 features and changes. Jason Beggs shared this one. I'm really excited about all the features and changes coming in Livewire version 3. Really excited to start using it. That's number eight. Number seven, Laravel Pint. 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 It looks like it's pint. Pint. But it's pint. Steve Mc, Steve McDougall goes through how you can get started with Laravel Pint. It's a PHP code style fixer for minimalists, written by Nuno Maduro. Service providers in Laravel, what they are and how to use this. That how to use them. Pavillus again on this one. So for those of you who have not used service providers, uh, this mystical term, what do they actually provide? How does this all work? He explains it in the tutorial. That's number six. Number five, Laravel roles and permissions, gates and policies explained. Guess what? Pavillus wrote all about refactoring and structuring code with Laravel roles and permissions. Uh, I'm going to actually have to read that one because I have some stuff we need to do on that front. Number four, modern PHP features explained. PHP 8.0 and 8.1. Steve McDougall takes a walk through a few of the prominent features from the PHP 8.0 release. Chris Fidal at number three, using S3 with Laravel. So how should you use this? Here's some tips and tricks about using the Amazon service with your Laravel application. Number two, restructuring a Laravel controller using services, events, jobs, actions, and more. Pavilas wrote all about refactoring and structuring code. And number one, Laravel 9 is now released. Laravel came out in February with controller route groups, blah, 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 blah. All that good stuff. That was the number one post of 2022. Lots of good stuff there. Uh, Some good reading if you didn't get a chance to read some of those. Okay. What do we got? Next Next up,
0: Laravel Breeze, thanks to Jess Archer, now includes dark mode. To get the new dark mode when you install Breeze, you can pass the dash dash dark flag. And that's it. PHP Artisan Breeze install dash dash dark. Another feature coming in Laravel 10 is adding types to user land code. And this will apply across all the first-party Laravel packages, including Stubs and Starter Kits. To get a head start on this, Taylor announced they've begun releasing some of these changes in packages like Breeze and Jetstream, and all the changes are backwards compatible. So the new Duck Mode is available today,
1: and you can get started with it right now. So go do it. Definitely go do it right now. Okay, Laravel 10 Bug Hunt. So this is scheduled to be released... Uh, sorry, Laravel 10 is scheduled to be released in February... The Laravel team announced a new bug hunt with a chance to win up to a thousand U.S. dollars. So, you know, the Laravel team relies on the community a lot to help test new major versions and preparations for the release. But this time they have something special in store. We're going to be holding a bug squashing contest to find and eliminate any pesky bugs that might be hiding in that new release. The winner of the contest is a thousand dollars. The contest will end as soon as a first stable version of Laravel 10 is released. Any pull requests that are still pending at that time or are sent in after the Laravel 10 release will not be eligible. So here's the rules. You only get only PR sent to the 10.x branch of the Laravel framework are eligible. Only true bug fixes are accepted. New features, refactoring, typo fixes are not going to be counted. And every bug fix must include a test. You need to be able to reproduce it and then uh, test your code to make sure that it fixes it. So if you want to join in, take a look at the post and uh, start fixing those bugs. So you can find this on blog.laravel.com And they talk about the Laravel version 10 bug hunt there. If you want more information on how you can join in. Very cool. Very Speaking cool.
0: Of bugs. Indeed. As
1: bug-free as this bug hunt is going to leave
0: Laravel 10, the number one reason that startups fail is that they run out of money. And there are so many ways for startups to lose money, and downtime should not be one of them. Recent studies found that downtime can cost up to that downtime can cost $427 per minute for small businesses and up to $9,000 per minute for medium-sized businesses. And that's every single minute of downtime. A monthly subscription with Honey Badger helps you prevent costly downtime by giving you all the monitoring you need in one easy-to-use platform so you can quickly understand what's going on and how to fix it, which helps you stay in business. You can get started today in as little as five minutes at HoneyBadger.io with plans starting at free. That's right, free. So check them out. If anything does slip through this little bug hunt crack, then Honey Badger will make sure that it doesn't cost
1: you an arm and a leg. Thanks, HoneyBadger. Very nice. Let's talk about some packages, shall we? We've got one, two, three, four, five in the list here. And the first one we're going to talk about is called Open Form, And this is an open source form builder that is made with Laravel. So you can self-host this application or you can use the cloud-based hosted version to create forms that you can share anywhere on the web using a no-code form builder. Okay. So think like forms.microsoft.com or forms.google.com or something like that. You know how you go in and you can create a form in there and then you can share the link mm-hmm. and you can collect responses. I believe that's what this is. The main features of the form builder application include the following a no code form builder with infinite number of fields and submissions. You get text inputs, date inputs, URL inputs, phones, emails, checkboxes, select, multi-select, number inputs, star ratings, file uploads, and more. You can embed it anywhere on your website, in your Notion page, et cetera. You can get email notifications for both the form owner and form respondents. You have hidden fields. You can have form passwords, uh, URL form prefill. So if you send a link to a bunch of people and this group of people is segmented in a particular way, you can have it fill in a field for them. Or let's say you're sending out a uh, request for all of your employees to update their emergency contact information. And you already know, their existing contact information. You could send them links that have those fields pre-filled based on the URL that you're sending them. So it'll pre-fill the form based on the URL. You've got Slack integration, webhooks, form logic. You can customize the colors. You have CAPTCHA. You can have closing dates for the forms so that is not allowed to be uh, have accept submissions after a particular date. You can limit the number of the submissions allowed. It's very, very, very full featured. And uh, it's an open source Laravel application. So you can browse the entire source code uh, the entire thing is tested with PEST, PHP testing examples. It uses Vue VU components, uh, a Vue SPA, Tailwind CSS, and more. So this is very, very cool. You can look at the hosted version of the application on opnform.com, not open, but opnform.com. And you can find the uh, open source version of it, jhumanj slash opnform. Very cool. I love it. Really, really digging this.
0: Definitely. Back in uh, October, Nuno Maduro released an OpenAI PHP client and the week of the 27th of December, he announced a brand new Laravel integration called OpenAPI Laravel. On Twitter, Nuno said, OpenAI PHP for Laravel is a supercharged PHP API client that allows you to interact with the OpenAI API. With this integration, developers can now easily use OpenAI's powerful natural language processing capabilities in their Laravel applications. Uh, so we've got some details here on steps to follow to install the package, to publish your configuration file, to set up your API key in your configuration, and then a brief rundown on how to use the OpenAI facade to access the API itself. You can check out the repo for full instructions and for usage examples, and you can take a look at the OpenAI PHP client repository for more details as well.
1: We'll have links, of course, to all of that in the show notes. All right, so the next one we have is a developer tool that allows you to spin up your development and background processes with ease. So this is called Porter, and it does exactly what's printed on the tin. Makes it easy to run background services with only a few configuration lines. So you don't. Um, so let's think like, what are the tools you'd have to have running, right? So you might have Octane that's running in the background. You might have Stripe webhooks that you have like ngrok or something running. You might be running Minio for file storage. You might be running MailHog or something like that. Uh, You've got all different sorts of services that you're going to run, but you no longer have to manually start or manage these background services in multiple tabs. Instead, you can manage them all in one convenient place. So Porter uses YAML configuration files to define services that you need to run in the background for your development environment, and then it manages them for you via supervisor. uh, And Chocadar? Never heard of that one, actually. Chocadar? Chocadar, I've heard. That's, uh, so here's uh, an example.
0: Yeah, I've heard of this. Chocadar is a, uh, 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 a file watching library.
1: Ah, interesting. Yeah. yeah, So you can see okay, when, cool. when,
0: like, you know, in in PHPStorm, for example, when you save a PHP file, it knows to then run your CS Fixer. So that that kind of tool. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, so they give an example uh, from the project's README. Which makes it convenient to share a porter.yml file with your team uh, with version control. So you just check this into your repo. Uh, so in this case, they show that you have a couple of different services running here. You have a you can give it a name. So in this case, they have Q, and they have the command that you're going to run, which is PHP artisan horizon. So you can run horizon there. Um, you can pass along any jobs that you want to. So or sorry, you can pass along any arguments that you want this job to run with. Um, they have Vite or sorry, Vite running as well. NPM run dev, they have Octane running, they have Stripe running. Uh, and so to get started, all you have to do is initialize a Porter.yaml file in your project using the Porter init command. From there, you can add stop, start, add, restart, tail processes, and get processes, uh, get process statuses within Porter. Uh, so you have all those options available to you. This is really interesting. If you do have a a complex development environment that you need to share around, I I know that we have this in a couple of our apps where in order to be able to test it, or maybe not test it, but in order to be able to run it locally, you need to have Minio running on this particular port and you need to have Mailhog running. And that's, you know, if you're using our encrypted env.dev, if you don't have those things installed uh, and you don't know that you need to run them, it can be difficult to to figure that out, right? And so this allows you to basically share this information with your team really easily and make sure that when they start this, uh, when they start developing, they can just run Porter, start, and it will start up all the stuff that they need to have running in order to be able to run this application locally. Very cool. Love it.
0: Very cool indeed. Next up, the Turnstile Laravel package integrates with Cloudflare's Turnstile Site Verify API with a server-side Laravel application. So for those of you who are not aware, Turnstile is Cloudflare's capture alternative, which, allow, which which can be embedded into any website and it doesn't send traffic through Cloudflare. And the most important part is it works without showing one of those hideous captures on whatever your forms yeah, are. Yeah,
1: those are the worst. Yeah.
0: Um, so this uses some technology behind Cloudflare's managed challenge but opens it to anyone that is not even using Cloudflare's network. So that's something that you may want to read more about. But the package itself, you can use turnstile in a Laravel application. You'll need to follow the Getting Started Guide, which we'll have links to, and set up a client-side integration, which consists of a JavaScript widget that you either render implicitly or explicitly. And once your users initiate a secured action via the browser, it'll send a request to the server side with a cf-turnstile-response input. And the package takes care of making the post, uh, taking the post input sent to the server and then validating the user via the Cloudflare site verify endpoint. So you can use Turnstile to provide a capture challenge for important application actions such as login, registration, or any other interaction that you want to ensure capture with a less intrusive challenge. Um, The widget types do not include solving capture puzzles, but instead offer um, non-interactive challenges, non-intrusive interactive challenges like clicking on a button if the visitor is suspected to be a bot, and invisible challenges on the browser. So as of the writing of this post, the Turnstile is in open beta and available as a free tool and calls are limited to 1 million site verifier requests per month. Uh, So we'll
1: have links to all of that in the show notes, of course. Okay, the next one we've got is another, um, well, not another. It's, It's a tool to inspect and develop mail templates with Laravel Mailbook. So Mailbook is a package that lets you inspect all of your different mail templates without having to trigger them manually in your application. So Given that the mail is rendered inside of a browser window, it allows you to quickly tweak styles, text, and localization without having to fire a mailable over and over and over and over and over again. I feel like we've all all experienced this before, right? Mm. It's like, I got to get this mailable figured out. Or honestly, even if you have a new dev on the team and you're like, hey, I need you to go customize this mailable. And they're, where is that at? And how can I see it? And how do I get that sent over to myself? And what action do I need to trigger in order to get that mailable sent? You know, how do I have to set up the world in order to be able to say, uh, you, you know, you forgot to update this thing? No longer. You don't have to do that anymore. So this package works by installing it via Composer and then running the mailbook install command. This will set up a routes slash mailbook route file. I'm assuming that this only runs in development. And so once you do that, you can then register your emails. One of the coolest features uh, when checking out this package is variants. And this allows you to provide multiple scenarios for the same mailable or notifications. So in in like let's say you have a order created mail, for example, and you wanted to say in one variant, you have one item that is getting sent through that, through that mail. Um and if that's the case, you can say, here's almost the um it's the factory, right, that you would use to create the world that would be needed in order to fire off this email with one product. So you can do that, and then you can say variant two items, and then you can do the same thing. So you can use this factory to create two products and then send that through to your order created mail. So at the time of writing, Mailbook provides the following features to improve your workflow for working with mailables. You can configure those different variants we were just talking about. Uh, It has database usage with automatic rollbacks, so you don't get a bunch of uh, test data committed to your database. Localization support to quickly view mailables in other languages. You can toggle between various size breakpoints. So if you want to see what it looks like on mobile versus on desktop versus on somebody's really wide monitor, you can do that. Explore all mailables from the UI's left navigation menu, making this really easy to give your team members a way to interact with all those mailables you have set up. So it does require a little bit of setup, right? You have to, in that mailables or in that mailbook.php route file, you have to define what the mailables are and how you have to set up the world in order to send them through. But once you've done that once... Yeah. then you can really easily click on those items and they'll display in your web uh you know in in a browser view and then you can modify those straight, straight from there. So really really good stuff. We we've done this in um some scenarios we we have like a development.php routes file and we sort of do something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not it's not nearly as clean as this one is. Yeah. So uh really nice. Yeah, this really is nice
0: this is nice. It's always it's always a pain to like just to design you know email templates that work in different, you know, screen resolutions and breakpoints and different devices and even different mail clients and the same mail client on different devices and things like that. So it's nice to have some tooling in place where you could kind of get a, a pretty good win across the board and, and to have it built into the development part of your, you know, your regular development workflow is really helpful as well. So definitely going to check that one out because I think we're going to have to do some uh, email template stuff soon-ish. Uh, Okay, we are at the tutorial section. I have six for you. I'm going to tell you the titles and like last episode, it will be your homework to go through them. We'll have links to all of them in the show notes. First up is a tutorial entitled Effective Eloquent. This one was written by Steve McDougall. Get ready to level up your Laravel skills with this tutorial on eloquent queries. You will learn everything you need to know from beginner to advanced techniques. And that's all I'm going to tell you. Um, but we're looking at a user that has many accounts, and each account has a running balance stored on it, and each account has many transactions, and the transactions link between the account and the vendor. And that's all very confusing. But there is a beautiful draw SQL um, UML diagram. UML. What are they called? It's an ERD. It's yeah, that's right. An ERD, not, yeah. a, not a UML. Oh, I'm not looking. I'm not looking
1: at the blog post with you. <laughs> and but, an, okay.
0: an ERD, an entity relationship diagram, whatever it is. um, very nice. I've just learned about DrowSkill. I'll have to check that out at some stage later. Uh, but definitely check this one out if you want to learn more about being effective with Eloquent. Uh, next up, we have a article written by Eric Barnes, which is a quick guide on why you should use Laravel Octane to scale your application, parentheses, in 2023. Laravel has gained a lot of attention in recent years. If you've been listening to this podcast for any period of time, you know that. Though it has been a charm in the eyes of product owners for small-scale Web applications. However, developing a large-scale application with Laravel still seems like a hard nut to crack. And in this blog post, uh, Eric has covered the latest addition to the Laravel framework, Laravel Octane, and the buzz Octane to scale Laravel applications has created around the market to fill the scalability gap of Laravel experienced by product owners. um I then PingMe was originally built on Laravel Vapor because we wanted infinite scale, you know, ready uptime, all of that kind of stuff. And over time. I scaled that back to like a single VPS um, using RDS and using Laravel Octane. And it has cost a fraction of the price. For, for And don't get me wrong. Laravel Vapor is fantastic and it will help you scale. It was the wrong solution for then Ping me as we found over a period of time. But we had no degradation in service. Places actually got quicker. Um, so... Consider this and it, and it's a very simple process like install, especially if you're on Laravel Forge provision service, install it, tell Forge to manage the, the Octane worker and that's essentially it. You can tune it and things like that. I saw somewhere the other day, someone has got a course coming out on using Laravel Octane and I'll try and include a link to that in the show notes. But this is a high level over, overview of um, why you should use Laravel Octane to scale your application. So you can check that out as well. Eric also put together a post that details how we, as in Laravel News, automatically share new content on social media. And so whenever a new post is published, it goes out to all of our notification channels, it sends daily and weekly emails, um, it goes into our RSS, JSON, Google News feeds. it goes through Zapier, um, to Buffer, it goes to Mastodon, it goes to Facebook, it goes to LinkedIn, like it does all of these things every time we publish a post and it hits a whole bunch of different places. So this is a tutorial that kind of takes you through all of the services that we've got set up and, and how and um, we effectively go about that. We've got a practical guide to search eloquent relationships using the Laravel Scout uh, database driver. So Laravel Scout is a, is a uh, what are we calling it? It's a package that gives you like a unified interface for various full-text backends, whether that's Algolia search or Elasticsearch or in this case, the database. It gives you one unified API to do all of that. And for, for certain size applications, the database is going to be more than sufficient. Um, I know that Algolia can get a bit expensive and Elasticsearch is a bit tedious to, to manage. So this is an article written by
1: Bilal Hader,
0: who is joining us for a guest post tutorial. So definitely check
1: that one out. Melee search as well is a good option. Melee search as Sorry, well, yeah. Melee search yep. is another yeah, we just installed that I and mean, it's working really great. Drop in replacement for Algolia. Yeah, I knew That's there was another cool. one,
0: but I didn't remember it, so I'm glad that you did. Yep. Next up, we spoke about the OpenAI Laravel package and, of course, our good friend Steve has put together a post on using this package as well. So, you can learn more about that if you'd like as well. Uh, we're talking about CRUD operations using Laravel Livewire, which is another article by our friend uh, Steve, I assume. Oh, no, this one's by Eric. Eric's been on the on the blog post train over he the, over the break. Like, he has, yep. Uh, and that is it. That is all of the things that we have for you this week
1: that's a lot there so is a lot. lot of stuff to digest there yeah there is some really really good stuff i'm actually reading uh an old Pavilis post right now he does such a good job of breaking this stuff down i mean it's no mm-hmm. wonder that all of his uh posts are top posts for 2022 right. yeah and um yeah just great job uh on that stuff of course he had a little bit of a head start on steve uh steve is i think probably hoping to take some more of the top spots next year he's been you know quite prolific uh, in the end of this last year so i'm sure he'll have A couple more in that top list uh, in 2023. All right, folks, this was episode 180, 183 of the Laravel News Podcast. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. If you like the show, please rate it up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars would be amazing. You can find show notes for this episode at podcast.lareville-news.com/slash 183. Thank you again to Honey Badger, our sponsor today. Uh, check them out at honeybadger.io. If you have any questions or comments, hit us up at Jacob Bennett at Micah or at Larival News. All right, folks, till next time, see ya. Bye.